Hello, and welcome to the second episode in this podcast series about reducing crime in D.C. through spiritual, biblical, and prayerful approaches. One of the listeners wrote in a comment which made me chuckle because it was so simple yet so true. He said, and, and this was referring to spirituality as a possible solution to reducing crime, quote, nothing else seems to be working, unquote. Isn't that true? Thousands of years since who knows when and was still murdering each other, stealing, committing violence, etc. I think it actually may have gotten worse in some places. At least in D.C., that's pretty evident, is it not, according to the, the brutal statistics I gave you in the last episode. And by the way, I pain to say this, it's gotten worse in the last month. So I can turn this listener's comment around and ask you this provocative question. Will anything, I repeat, anything succeed in reducing and even someday eliminating crime except some form of spirituality? Except some form of spirituality. I'll let you answer that one. Keep on sending in your responses and I'll try to read some of them on this podcast. If I can't, I'll definitely respond to you by email. In every episode, I'm going to repeat the two underlying concepts of this podcast that I brought up in the first podcast. Here it is. Number one. Here we go. Quote, crime is mental. Unquote. I repeat, crime is mental. Remember that before somebody pulls the trigger, he or she has to think about it, even if it's for a millisecond. Thought moves the finger. Nothing else can. Maybe it's encouraging to say crime is mental. Why? Because thought can change, can't it? And the second concept is this. There's such a thing as community thought, which is thought that's in the community, and that can change. We know from history that community thought can be changed. So this is all kind of encouraging, isn't it? But let's get on to today's theme. Can biblical approaches help us reduce crime? How can they help us? What can people in the Bible teach us about crime, either how to deal with it, or preferably, how to prevent it and reduce it? Now, before I get started, I realize there are many other spiritually informative scriptures besides the Bible. For example, in the major denominations, there's the Torah, the Quran, the Vedas from Hinduism, Tripitaka from the Buddhist, the writings of Bahula from the Baha'i, etc., etc. But to be honest, I'm not too familiar with them. Maybe you are and can help me. But I do know the Bible and what spiritual solutions they offer about crime. So I'll be exploring them with you. So to start off, I'll be dealing with people in the Bible, and I'll be looking specifically at their mentalities. By that, I mean what elements of thought, or what qualities of thought, or what qualities are in their thoughts, their nature, their essences, that made them what they were and what they did. 
You can't touch these qualities. You can't smell them. You can't see them. For example, goodness, honesty, holiness, innocence, humility. These are spiritual qualities, right? So I'm going to be talking about two people in the Bible and briefly explore, number one, what were the crimes that were committed or were about to be committed, as you'll see. Two, how did they handle them, the crimes, in a spiritual way to bring about a successful outcome? And three, how this all relates to today's crime problems. These are two distinct stories. One deals with the effects of crime. The other deals with preventing the crime from even happening in the first place. Let's start with the first story, Joseph. First of all, Joseph had 11 brothers, no sisters. Now that's hard to wrap wrap your head around in the first place, isn't it? Anyway, Joseph, and I'll call him Joe, was the next to the youngest brother. For whatever reason, his father seemed to love him the most. So how did the other brothers feel? Well, how would you feel? So because of their hatred and jealousy, the brothers start committing crimes, serious crimes. The first one is theft. His parents made him, just him, a beautiful coat. And here comes crime number one. The brothers stole his coat. That's plain old robbery, isn't it? Now, I must interject here that Joe was a little bit not humble in his young years, and he told his brother about certain dreams that kind of elevated him but put down his brothers. So there was that. And you think they liked that? So crime number two, they conspired to kill their brother, their own brother. Crime number two, conspiracy to commit murder. I bet you've seen that on the news once in a while. Not too nice, huh? But they never quite got to do the killing. They threw him into a well, and in a day or two, some businessmen came along, and the brothers conspired again. They sold Joe as a slave to these businessmen. And there's crime number three. What's this called? Yes, conspiracy for human trafficking. That's very serious, isn't it? So, in a short period of time, three crimes. Can you remember the three? One was stealing. Two was conspiring to kill and three, conspiring in human trafficking. Well, there's a lot more to this story, but I'm not going to subject you to it. The main point I want to bring out here is that in spite of these three horrendous crimes that were committed on Joe, the story still has a beautiful ending. But first, I ask you to imagine how this story would have ended if it happened to you or to me or anybody growing up in D.C., especially in Southeast. What would have become of them? Maybe they'd be so disillusioned with society that they would get into a life of crime, stealing, killing, etc. Most likely that's what would have happened, right? 
But now, here's where we get into the discussion of mentalities, elements, and qualities that are in thought. Couldn't you agree that Joe could have turned out bad, really bad? But he had these spiritual qualities of thought that made him turn into a national treasure, a national hero. He literally went on to save the country from famine and drought. Joe had humility, forgiveness. Yes, he he forgave his brothers eventually. He had purpose, innocency. He had love, wisdom, intelligence, and foresight. Now, foresight is really a special quality that we'll be talking about in our second story. The scriptures say at least four times in this very long story that the Spirit of the Lord was with Joseph. What's that about? This is the mentality I'm talking about. The mentality, the spiritual qualities that Joseph abundantly had. These are the elements, the mentality that made him the amazing person he was. This literally begs the questions. One, from where did Joe get these qualities, this mentality? His brothers certainly didn't teach them to him. Two, how can more and more people tap into these qualities? And three, how do the qualities get beyond one individual and get into groups and then into the community? Now, our second and final Bible story deals specifically with the idea of preventing crime and therefore reducing crime. And I believe that it is the more intriguing of the two stories and maybe even brings a different spiritual dimension. So here goes the story. There is this king in Syria. He decides he wanted to war against the king in Israel. Boy, does that sound familiar and current to you? And as they say, some things change and some things don't. Anyway, the king from Syria plots to put his armies in a certain place where he knows the king of Israel was going to be, so he could ambush him there and kill him there. At least, that was the plan. So he told his commanders to go there to the place and do the assassination. Okay, so it looks bad for the king of Israel, right? But this is where it gets very interesting. So there's a prophet, a spiritual seer in Israel named Elisha. A prophet, at least back then, was able to predict and foretell future events. So however you want to describe this situation, through spiritual senses or spiritual awareness, Elisha prophesied to the king of Israel that the king in Syria was going to have his army in a certain place. And so, therefore, the king of Israel shouldn't go to that place because he would be killed by the Syrian armies. So the king of Israel listened to the prophet and did not go to that place. And guess what? His life was saved. Now the same thing happened a second time and a third time. Can you imagine how exasperated the king of Syria was? And he he didn't even know what to make of it. So he called a cabinet meeting demanding how this could have happened. One of the cabinet members finds out and says, 
This Elisha guy in Israel, this prophet, this spiritual man of God, is somehow able to tell the king of Israel what you are saying in your bedroom. Wow. Wow. What do you make of that? What do you call that? Whatever you want to call that, crime was averted. Crime was reduced. Going back to the idea that crime is mental, this was a very clear case of that. The Syrian king had in his thoughts that the king of Israel should die, and he made preparations for that to happen. The prophet Elisha had no listening devices, no cell phones, not even spies to help him help the king of Israel. It was all mental, in his thoughts, that he could help prevent this crime of murder. So here are the questions. Do we have people today that could do what Elisha did? Could you? Could I? Tough questions, I know, but consider this. In a way, we've all heard of examples, quite, not quite like Elisha's, but hint at that possibility. Like, for example, you've heard of women's intuition, or someone will say, quote, I have a premonition, or I have a hunch, or my gut tells me, right? I must tell you about a friend of mine. I'd say he is a very spiritually minded person. He told me, and I'll never forget this, that one day he was driving alone on the high-speed freeway, and all of a sudden, he started sweating like crazy, and it was not hot, but just like that, he started sweating. And all of a sudden, he told me he had the sense of, and, and here's the words he used, Quote, impending doom. I repeat that because I can still hear it. Impending doom. Pretty strong, huh? He thought maybe it had something to do with the car he was driving, though all seemed to be working fine. But he immediately got off at the next exit and went to the first mechanic he could find. Now this happened more than 50 years ago, so I don't remember exactly what the problem was but the mechanic told him that something was seriously wrong with some part of the car. Maybe it had something to do with the steering wheel or the wheels or whatever. I don't remember. But the mechanic said it was good he got off the highway because if not, it could have been a tragedy. The car was fixed and my friend went on his way. Now what happened here? It wasn't anything you could touch or smell. It wasn't physical. What do you want to call it? Spiritual seeing, like the spiritual seer. Intuition, premonition. Now here's one. Angels. What are they? Do you believe in them? Well, that's a topic for a future episode. But for now, let's get back to the issue of preventing or reducing crime. For that's the subject of these podcasts. Reducing crime in D.C., a spiritual, biblical, and prayerful approach. And we've seen today, through these two biblical experiences, and that, as we've mentioned several times, two different concepts, that, quote, crime is mental. 
and that we are always dealing with thought, and that thought can change, and that there's such a thing as community thought as well as individual and group thought, and by bettering community thought, doesn't that make possible the reduction of crime in our community? So in summing up today, I, I know I asked a lot of questions and I didn't give back a lot of answers. I'll try to suggest some in the upcoming episodes, or you can come up with some of them. Or if you have any comments at all, please write to me at ReduceCrimeInDC at AOL.com. That's ReduceCrimeInDC at AOL.com. I'll try to read them on the next episode, but if I can't, I'll write you back. By the way, the next episode will be during the first week of the new year. So I hope you'll keep joining this podcast as we seek ways to reduce crime in D.C. through biblical, spiritual, and prayerful approaches. And speaking of prayerful approaches, our next episode will deal with that third approach, prayer. Is or can prayer really be a factor in reducing crime? If so, how much is it a factor? Can we give examples? Have there been studies? All this and more in episode number three. Please stay tuned. This is Rick Price. Thanks for coming. <laughs>